Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Hey guys, welcome to episode 21. I am so very excited to introduce this week's guest to you. You might already know her because she's the host of her own very successful podcast called Let It Out. Like most great things in life, Katie and I became friends on social media, of course, and actually not Instagram like you may think, but Twitter. So funny. We share more about it in our chat. But Katie is a New Yorker, a friend, and she has featured me twice on her podcast, which I link both of those things on the show notes on WokenWire.com. Katie is a writer, a host, and a wellness cheerleader. In 2013, she started the then wellness-focused podcast, Let It Out, and now she is over 220-episode archive, and it has molded into one of the first modern long-form interview shows covering everything from wellness and spirituality to creativity and relationships. She loves podcasting so much that in 2018, she launched Let a Podcast Out digital workshop to help people DIY podcasts. I highly recommend it. It is truly a gold mine. And if you just click the link in the show notes as well, you're going to get not just the early bird pricing for her course, but also a $50 discount for the listeners of Woken Wired podcast. So on top of all of the good stuff, Katie is the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Let It Out, a Journey Through Journaling, published with Hay House in 2016. I was there at the launch party. Woohoo! Hey, Katie. And sometimes Katie writes about her feelings elsewhere on the internet, including her Let It Out letter. Katie, her feelings, and all of her plans live together in Manhattan, in a cute East Village apartment where I've been and recorded one of the podcast episodes that I've been on. Katie is one of those super humble and real people. And in this episode, we talk about her podcasting journey and how it went from her way of networking with people and really reaching people that she couldn't otherwise get conversations with. And hey, that was five years ago. And she's been releasing a podcast every single week. It's crazy. While having a full-time job, which she recently quit. She shares more about all of that in our conversations She shares the IRL story of how she attracted Gabby Bernstein and Lacey Phillips of Free and Native to be her mentors. Like, it's no big deal. Some of the thought leaders in the wellness and personal development work for sure. We talk about comparison and how to deal with comparing yourself to other people doing similar work in similar spaces. We talk about personal growth and self-development work burnout and how to deal with that. The importance of remembering your uniqueness the incredible power of rest, finding your worth through creating, and balancing living an online life with an offline life. And in the end, we also have a round of rapid-fire questions where Katie shares her first nickname online and her favorite computer game growing up. If anything at all in this episode resonates with you, I would so love to hear from you. Please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories and tag at Katie Dalebu and at Woke and Wired. And I'm so stoked to see what you're taking away. 
And I would also so appreciate if you take a moment to go leave a review and a rating for the podcast on iTunes so that we can really make a bigger impact and reach more people and have this conversation on a much larger scale. The conversation of social media being a manifestation tool to really design a life that you love, to feel fulfilled, feel connected, and feel like you're living in a world where possibilities are endless because it's true. That's what it is. And that's what the podcast is about. Welcome back if you've been here for a while and welcome if you're new here. And if you're new, definitely go back to episode one, a very short episode where I introduced myself, Breakfast Criminals, Welcome Wired, the intention of this podcast, and what role social media, technology, and expanded consciousness have played in my life, which is pretty much everything. Anyway, thank you for being here and enjoy this episode. Here's Katie. Okay, I am here with Katie Dialbout who is the queen of podcasting, and I've been on her podcast twice, and I'm humbled and excited to have you on here, and I want to start by sharing with all the listeners how we met, because it's a funny story. (laughs) So I was invited to a Gabby Bernstein event, because I was working for a company called Visual Therapy at that time, and I was leading their blog, And I did an article about her. And so her PR person ended up inviting me to the event. And there I am listening to Gabby Bernstein talk, live tweeting the event. And then I was just like, let me check who else is tweeting about this. And there you were, Katie. You were tweeting about it too. (laughs) And then you saw, I think what happened is you saw that I was into acai bowls back in the very beginning of Breakfast Criminals. And you said, oh my gosh, I love acai bowls too. I have a recipe with blackberries (laughs) and avocado and cinnamon. And I ended up totally adapting that recipe and it ended up being published. And so Katie, you've been an essential part of Breakfast Criminals and now Woken Wired because you were one of my biggest inspirations for podcasting. And here we go. Oh, that's so funny. I had no idea what you were going to say when you said when you were going to tell how we met because I was like, is she going to go with how we met in person? Because we met in person at my book launch like years ago. And then but before that, like you said, we've been friends on the Internet for so long, which is so common to like be friends on the Internet for a while before actually meeting a person in person now. Mm -hmm. But that's so funny. Yeah, I had no idea that was how we met. It's all kind of a blur, but I remember all of that, and I'm so happy that we did. You know, I was on this retreat for my birthday that I've been talking about so much, and I was sharing how one of my quests in life is to talk about what social media has to do with our involvement and the involvement of our consciousness and our personal growth, and with that, our success because that's just a reflection, I believe, of our energetic world. And, you know, I keep asking everyone, so how do you think social media is related to consciousness? What does it have to do with spirituality? And then I was like, oh, well, I found out about this retreat that completely changed my life on Instagram. And here we go. Like, what other proof do I need? So for me, how we met is just another incredible, beautiful story of how when we're open to connecting with people on this deep level and exploring where those relationships will go and trusting that if someone comes into our field of awareness and we get connected with them, then there's something there to explore that's going to benefit everyone. Yes, agree. I think there's definitely so much good that can happen from social media. I think there's also like anything light and dark, but 
I love that. I think the greatest thing it's given me is all the people I've gotten to meet through social media. I think what social media does at its best is allow you to connect and meet people, but I like to get it off the internet as much as possible and as soon as possible. And I think that can cement a friendship, you know, seeing someone in person so much more than you can over the internet. Totally. So we can talk about what I'm into the whole podcast, but this episode is about you, Katie. So let's (laughs) switch into what's making you feel woke. What is it right now? Oh man, so many things. Um, You know, right now it's, it's kind of freedom and blank space and having the time and space to meander and be led by my intuition and follow hits of connection and actually align my life to those. And that's really new for me. You know, I've lived a life and I saw modeled for me growing up that you had to, you know, live in a very specific way or like that was the only way modeled for me was to, you know, work a full-time job and have a lot of structured time. And so I did that, you know, I I did it my own way. I obviously did things on the side of a full-time job. I made a podcast and I wrote a book. The job that I have didn't hit all of my notes creatively or many of my notes creatively. It was more of a means to an end. So I did things on the side, but because of that, it left me very little time. And I happen to be someone anyway who overschedules my life anyway. I've done that ever since high school. I was like involved in, I did the newspaper and the play and the radio and all the things. I did the same thing in college and so many different friends and activities. And I just, I'm an only child. So I think I have this like deep rooted subconscious fear of boredom maybe, which makes me take on too much. Or maybe it's, you know, even a darker shadowy thing where it's like, I'm trying to find my worth on some level through successes and through creation and through making things and doing things. So what I'm really looking forward to now is kind of flipping the script on that now that I'm not doing my full-time job anymore in you know two weeks, as we were just talking about before we started recording, and being able to just be led and to rest. You know, I want my life to feel like a life vacation, and I want to be able to You know, I signed up today for a three-hour art class (laughs) in the end of September and in the middle of the day on a Monday. You know, it's just something I've never been able to do before and didn't, you know, know how to even make that happen. And I'm just excited to explore so many different things and be playful and be in my body and be out of my head. And yeah, that's what's making me feel alive right now. So one of the things I like doing is I'm going to read out loud your Instagram bio and you're going to explain to me what it is that you actually do. Okay. (laughs) You in? Yeah, I love this so much and I have no idea what my bio says right now. Okay. So your bio, Katie says, just trying to be myself, made, let a podcast out, wrote, let it out book, hosts, let it out pod, lives in New York with an apple emoji. and Green apple. Green apple. That's very important. <laughs> Latest episodes and Linktree. So yeah. there's a book, there's a podcast, there's a podcasting course. What are you actually up to besides <laughs> trying to be yourself and doing all those things? Great question. 
So that line of just trying to be myself, that is everything to me. You know, I think all of the spiritual work and all of the self-development work and, you know, even, you know, business work, I think at its core, we all just want to be better at being who we are. You know, we want to be more of who we are. We want to be able to exist in the world as that. And I think for people who are into wellness or spirituality or personal growth, I think we're probably into those things because we're, we're like pretty freaking great, you know, <laughs> like beyond that, like before that, before we even tried to work for our, on ourselves or for ourselves. But we're the ones that maybe are hardest on ourselves, which is why we're attracted to this work anyway. So that's something I've been pondering a lot lately, which is why that line is there. You know, I think I'm going to, my entire life is going to be about being better at being myself and being more fully myself. And I'll get the best at that, like right before I die, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. probably kind of bleak, but I think that's just like a continual practice my whole life. So that's what that means. And then as far as the things that I do, yeah, I've hosted a podcast since 2013 called Let It Out. Oh my gosh, what? Five years? Yeah. Yeah. I started in early 2013. I think I had you on not too far after that. (laughs) I think the first time was like in at least 2015, if not Mm -hmm. 2014. I think it was 14. Yeah. So I've been doing that forever in internet years. (laughs) And I believe that podcasting is the new networking. I think it's allowed me to meet so many people in a way that social media in the sense of Instagram or Facebook or Twitter doesn't, you know, you can meet people through that, but I think real connections are made, like I said, when you get offline, but I think the next best thing to that is podcasting. You know, when you have a conversation with someone ideally in person, because you remember that interaction a little bit more than you remember over Skype, you know, I think you probably remember coming to my apartment and recording in person. You remember that day a bit more, like you'll remember the the snacks we had, you know, remember oh, you like, gave me so many teas. Of course I remember. Yeah. Like you'll remember like that day a bit more than remembering talking to someone over Skype. Cause it's kind of like we do Skype so often you didn't see me like it's a different thing. And so I think it makes a connection with a person when you, when you talk over Skype, even that is more than, you know, if you DM someone on Instagram for a few minutes, it's likely you won't remember that in two years. But if you talk on Skype, you probably will remember parts of that. And if you talk, if you go to their office or their home and you meet in person, you'll likely remember that five, 10 years in the future. Okay, you know? so I want you to come to my place even though we're doing this over Skype. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> but anyway, so that's something I just was pondering and thinking about and thinking about how many people I've connected with and met essentially through my podcast, but then became my real life friends or mentors or people in my life, you included. And- That's why I, and I was, you know, just because I was in this space, it was a time where it was way less saturated in 2013. There weren't very many people doing podcasts. A lot of people didn't know what podcasts were. It was pre-serial and there weren't really any wellness podcasts hosted by young women. Now there's a million, but I was kind of the first one doing that. I don't want to like, but like I don't really know many people doing it back then. I didn't know of any. Hmm. So I got quite a few over the years, I would get as podcasting as a medium 
gained popularity, I was kind of at the right place at the right time. And so I got a lot of questions from people being like, how do I start a podcast? What do I do? How do I get an audience? How do I get sponsors? How do I boop, 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 boop. And so I was sending these really, really long emails to people that were taking up so much of my time. And I loved doing it because I had, you know, I don't have the answers. I'm not, I don't work at Gimlet. I don't work at NPR. I'm not a professional in this, but I am someone who's what I call DIY podcasted for a very long time. And I've done it alongside of a full-time career, like a really pretty intense job and also having a blog and also writing a book and also doing all these other things. And it's given me so much, you know, it gave me a book deal with Hay House. It gave me all these friends and connections and, you know, eventually it's giving me, you know, a job and a platform. And so I love to help talk about it with people, but I, didn't have as much time to do that as I wanted to. So I started doing some podcast advising where I would, you know, have these one-off sessions with people and help them build their idea and strategy as well as execute how to make a podcast. And those are really fun, you know, and, and I got such a need for them that I, they were booking up and I didn't have very much time. And so, as you know, over the last six months, over this past winter, I kind of went into a cocoon hibernation and put out everything I possibly could about podcasting from inception and coming up with an idea and finding your niche and naming it to getting it on iTunes and interviewing, that's my favorite module, and technology and all of that. And then it ends with monetizing and finding sponsors and sharing it and publicizing it. And so I made this, you know, eight module, eight week course with audios that I recorded. And then the best part of it is that I interviewed over a dozen other podcasters, top podcasters who I know and who have successful podcasts where I not only gave what I know about podcasting, but I had them open up the kimono completely and tell you everything they learned about podcasting. And so that's in this, I don't even like the word online course. So I call it an online workshop, which I don't even know is better, but I just feel like it's so saturated with courses. And I I was so against even like making one myself because it felt like everybody and their brother and their niece and nephew (laughs) and aunt and sister had an online course. So I was like, I'm never going to make one. And then I kind of made one. So I'm calling it an online workshop because it really is like a community where you know, we talk about podcasting, we talk about putting ourselves out there. And there's these interviews and the modules that I created and also my exact templates of emailing people on how to get guests to come on your podcast, which is a question I always get and trackers and Excel documents of how I track things. And, and so they get all that. And then the best part is there's a contest. So every time when someone comes through it, they are, eligible to submit an episode or a clip from a podcast that they produce to me. And then I'm airing one of them on my channel, on my podcasting, yeah, I guess channel feed, if you will, on iTunes. So then they get a, I promote that and then they, you know, kind of hit the ground running with an audience right away. And it incentivizes them to actually use the information that we went over in the course to actually make something. So that's let a podcast out. And it's kind of my favorite thing I've created maybe ever. I'm, I'm really happy about it. I just did the first round of it and I'm just happy it exists to help more people start podcasts because it's given me so much. So that was that. And then that was really long. But And then <laughs> in 2016, as you know, I wrote a book called Let It Out, which is all about journaling, which we can definitely talk about. It's 55 journaling exercises. So 
that's the other main thing that I do. And then the other, I think that's it. I live in New York and green apples are my favorite fruit. And I eat like one to four of them a day, literally. <laughs> you know, I heard that green apples have some ingredient, like a compound in them that help you keep your teeth clean. So if you eat a green apple really? after food, it will keep your teeth clean of bacteria. Oh my God. Well, that's amazing news. My teeth <laughs> must be very, hopefully my teeth are very clean. I went to the dentist yesterday. What did he say? They looked good. <laughs> That's why. Green apples. Must have been the, yeah, must have been the green apples. <laughs> okay, Katie. So as you were speaking, I was making mental notes on all the things I want to dive deeper into. And one of them was, you know, I remember when you were talking about how you started your podcast. And I remember you said that at an event at The Wing, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To your event about podcasting. That was really fantastic. When I was like on the brink of launching mine, I had just come up with a graphic and was finding the courage to let it out. <laughs> <laughs> and what you shared is you started your podcast because you were this girl living in Detroit and you uh -huh. wanted access to people that you didn't have access to. And this was your way of having conversations you wanted to have with potential mentors and people you looked up to. So that's how it started five years ago. I would love to hear how it has evolved since. And also, how in the world have you been able to commit to releasing it every single week for five years without taking a break and working a full-time job? The second one, the second question, I will just say, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's been hard. <laughs> People ask me that all the time. How do you do that? Or they're struggling with that. And people in the course. And and I have to say, like, I'm a very disciplined person. If I say I'm going to do something, I bend over backwards, will, you know, twist myself into weird contorted positions, and I will do it, you know. And I don't think that's necessarily a positive quality. And I don't think that makes for the best self-care. And I'm actually trying to pivot away from that. But that's how I did it, honestly. It's my temperament. And as far as how it's evolved... When I started, like you said, it was selfish. You know, it was really, really for me because I didn't really have anyone listening. So it was completely a way for me to be able to get an hour of people's time under this guise that I was recording it and sharing it with an audience, which was true, but really the audience was quite small. However, I'm so grateful for those people early on, and a lot of them had really big audiences. Hmm. And they said yes to me and gave me their time and shared the episode with their audience because I think they trusted me. I think they knew that I was not someone who was doing this to, you know, get their name attached to it. I was doing it because I, or, you know, thinking they would share, which yes, of course, having their name attached to my podcast would give me some credibility for getting future guests and for getting people to listen. And if they shared it, it would bring an audience to at least that episode and maybe the archive. However, that wasn't why I was asking them on. And they knew that. They knew it was because I genuinely admired them. And I was genuinely familiar with their work. I had read their book if they had a book. I had watched their videos. I had done their workshops. I knew them and they knew I would ask good questions. So it was a good platform for them to 
showcase their work. I mean, oftentimes I was their ideal client or I was their ideal listener or reader. And so it was a great platform for them to share what they were currently working on. And they liked sharing it because what they saw in me is that I was a good interviewer because I was genuinely curious. I don't know if I would have been a good interviewer to anyone at that time, but I was a good interviewer to the people who interested me, the people who I saw, you know, myself in and I wanted to know more about. And so that's, I think, why people said yes. And so it evolved from being about me asking questions I was curious about to where it is now where I think about the audience a lot more because now, fortunately, and I'm so grateful and appreciative of this, there is an audience and there's, you know, quite a, you know, it's all relative, but a large audience of people who listen the numbers? Sure. Yeah. There's, Jefferson gets like 40,000, which, you know, isn't, it depends. Like sometimes it's much higher than that, depending on who the guest is. Sometimes it's a bit lower than that. But to me, you know, and especially at that, that's been rather consistent. It's gone up, of course, but, you know, at that time, especially was like massive. And it's huge, even now. And now there were a lot there are a lot more podcasts now and there's a, it, there's a lot more saturation. There's people who I know who, you know, which is honestly, like I'll be really transparent is hard for me to know that like the space is so much more saturated. And there's so many people that started way after me who, who I even consulted with and I like told them what microphone to get. And, you know, it can be challenging for me to know that like they get so many more downloads than I do and like so many more listeners. And I'm just like, you know what, that's okay. We're all doing our best. And, you know, I know my podcast isn't perfect. And I think that's been my biggest asset for putting something out every week is my ability to put things out that aren't perfect. And, that had to be the case. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing or I didn't even have very much time. So for me to do it consistently, it had to be, I had to be okay with the imperfections and putting it out there despite them. And I think people liked it despite them and maybe even because of them, because of them, it was more relatable and it felt more real and it felt more authentic. And and so I kept doing it. And and now, like I said, you know, I do think about the audience. If I'm really familiar with someone, I'm thinking about what other people would need to know to have context. And then I'm also thinking if they are familiar with them like I am, what would they want to know that they haven't heard before? Because they've heard this person interviewed, you know, especially if someone has a new book coming out in the wellness world, like they'll do every single podcast and you hear the same story. Like I could tell you, Ksenia, about like a few people who I heard interviewed so many times mm-hmm. on a certain book tour or something that I could like recite their story verbatim, you know? <laughs> and like, that's fine. But that's, if you haven't heard of them before, great. You'll love it and you'll be in and that's fantastic. But if you have heard of them before, I want people to know that you can come to my podcast and you're going to get something different. You're going to get something authentic. You're going to get something current, present, and more raw and more real. And that's that's why... I think I've had, you know, some, some success in, in that. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I totally know what you're saying of within the podcasting world. Once you get into it, you see the same people over and over everywhere. And at some point you stop wanting to listen to certain podcasts because it's all the same people, but you're right. It's this, that's why the personality and the intention of the host, I think are so important because ultimately people see the world through the prism of your questions and your curiosity and your eyes. 
And that's why I have been really pushing myself out of my comfort zone to not just be the interviewer, but also as I'm interviewing and having the conversations share about my life and what's going on, whether that's in the intro and outro or within the conversation itself. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, you're the curator too. Like you, people will trust you to have something interesting and someone interesting as your guest. And like, that's been the case for me. I really, and I'm working on this even more, want there to be diversity on my podcast and, you know, racially, with age, with background, with level of success, but also, you know, with the different ideas and the different spaces. You know, when I started, as you know, my podcast even had a different name. It was called The Wellness Wonderland Radio. It was super wellness focused. And that's where I was back then. But as I changed and grew, I realized that wellness isn't about for me, for anyone, really true wellness, I believe isn't about, you know, green juice and acai bowls and meditation. Although I love all of those things and I always will. It's also about relationships and career and your life and your connection to something greater than you and your creativity and style and, you know, how much you're sleeping. Like it's all of these things. And so I stopped interviewing just specifically wellness people like yoga teachers and health coaches. And I started interviewing actors and comedians and psychologists and just people who are my friends, you know, and I would just have these raw conversations. And so I think the people listened to those conversations with people, they didn't know their name of the guest because they knew me and they trusted me to ask questions that they were interested in and guide the conversation to an interesting place. Totally. At what point did you realize that your podcast was not just this fun thing that you're doing for yourself, but it's actually getting traction in the world and people want to hear from you? That's such an interesting question. I don't know if I had like a day where I was like, this is it. <laughs> like I have made it. I mean, I still don't don't know. And I, I'm, I'm constantly overthinking and questioning. And that is my temperament. And that's what I'm super transparent about on the internet. However, I think, you know, getting my book deal was that cemented things for me. You know, it wasn't something that I think everybody needs. But for me, that was a day where I felt like I was able to legitimize what I was doing in a way that's like, okay, this little blog and podcast thing I'm doing on the side, like this has some legitimacy to it. I should keep doing it. You know, it's not something I should give up. And I, you know, honestly, I didn't plan on giving it up. It was something that I could quantify though. It was something that, you know, to be quite honest, it was something that my mom could see and be like, oh, that weird stuff she's like spending her weekend and her evenings on is like working for her. Like when she was able to walk into Barnes and Noble and like tell her friend, like, Hey, my kid wrote that book. Like that was a moment where she could, she could see that and therefore me too, you know? And so that was definitely helpful. And I think, you know, I, when people on the, I have had people, you know, like stop me on the street because I've never gotten like recognized on the street. I think it has happened like a couple of times, but my boyfriend, when he's in town, like people often see him cause he's like really tall. And like, I'm always posting photos of him because I just like think he's cute. And <laughs> people will like say, stop and say something to him. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is really interesting. It, it's so, I still like can't believe it. Like I can't believe that people 
found my podcast and, and listen. And, you know, this weekend I was hosting this event and, you know, people were coming up to me and sharing their eating disorder stories because they mirrored mine or sharing, you know, stories of them starting podcasts because they liked my podcast. And hearing that is just so, it's more helpful than they know. You know, I think sometimes I've seen someone who I've admired on the street or their work has been meaningful to me and I'm scared to tell them or I don't want to bug them or I'm embarrassed. And, and oftentimes I don't, you know, it happens a lot in New York. I'll, I'll see some, someone that I admire and I just, I don't know, it, it makes me so happy and it makes me feel like I should keep going with what I'm doing, even though it's hard or I'm unsure or quite honestly that, you know, there might be people doing it better than me or there might, you know, be people also doing a similar thing to me that, you know, came after me or, you know, like, what do I still need to do? And, and people, there's so many podcasts, they don't need me. And, and then I'll, I'll get one of those messages or I'll, I'll hear that and I'll be like, okay, keep going. This is okay. You're okay. Like, you know, it's all mental health stuff and it's all blocks, but it really does help to have those moments. I totally agree. I usually get recognized either at Whole Foods when I'm after yoga with really, really sweaty hair um, and sweaty yoga pants or at Hugh Kitchen. It's happened a bunch yeah. of times, you know, the typical spots. And it always humbles me and just First of all, I acknowledge the courage of people who come up and, and don't know how to pronounce my name, but know me as Breakfast Criminals and say, oh my gosh, I follow you. And just like this human connection of, wow, thank you for for coming up to me. Thank you for saying hi and establishing this human connection yeah. beyond the screen. It really keeps me going too. So I, I feel you on that. And, you know, to what you're saying about some people came to podcasting and may have more downloads and things like that. The same thing happens with Instagram because my main platform has always been Instagram. And at some point, you know, with the algorithm changes and the look and feel of Instagram changing and kind of the standards and the themes that are popular changing, I've had my moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, 16 year olds are taking over. That's it. <laughs> I'm no longer relevant. And I also know a, a bunch of people who started later than me and are growing faster than ever. And for me, it's this constant exercise of coming back to why I do what I do. And oftentimes I find myself looking at someone who may be doing better by some, you know, empirical standards. And then I ask myself, do I actually want to be doing what they're doing? And I actually don't. Mm -hmm. So it's like unraveling that insecurity and that doubt and going deep with it and realizing, wow, I don't even actually want it in my heart. I'm curious, how do you deal with that when those thoughts come up that don't really empower you or serve you, like in the comparison area of life? What do you do with them? That's a great question. I talk to my therapist. I talk to my my best friend. I have this great best friend who we're really open about that kind of thing together. And she kind of works in a similar space. Her name's Simi, Simi Bodich. Everyone should follow her. She's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, we're able to like say these things out loud. My friend and mentor of mine, Lacey Phillips, has this this quote where she says, what you don't own owns you. So I think just by saying it, like me saying it on this podcast where people are going to hear it, that like I have these thoughts about things and people and other podcasts. And I think that helps so that I'm not holding it in. You know, that's why all my stuff is called Let It Out, right? Like mm -hmm. I when you hold things in, that's why I started journaling. It 
has power over you. And it's like, if you think about a beach ball that you're pushing underwater and eventually it's going to pop up and it's going to make this huge splash and it's going to explode. It's going to be a whole dramatic thing. But if you just allowed and you let out that beach ball out of the water, it would just like naturally like pop and it wouldn't (laughs) be a thing. So that's how we feel about letting out, you know, any emotions that might be negative or scary or, you know, not serving you. That's what I do with them is I try to share them instantly. Or if it's not instantly, I share them with myself instantly and then try to share them with a friend. And and then usually I can kind of talk it out. I'm a very cerebral in my head type person. So it works well for me to talk it out and be like, okay, yeah, I am all right. You're right. You're right, self. You're okay. You know, it's like a, it's a very, that's how I process the world. That's like my human design. That's how I am. But, you know, for someone else, it might be a simple like energetic shift or, you know, something more internal. And and I really need to talk about it. Hmm. So in your post about Lacey Phillips, I just pulled it up on Instagram. You said that you were intrigued yet slightly apprehensive because after years of your obsession with addiction to all things personal growth, spirituality, and manifestation, you were exhausted by all the content, even in the vicinity of (laughs) self-help. I'm Mm -hmm. curious to know what your relationship with this is. And, you know, you used to be mentored by Gabby Bernstein. Now you mentioned your mentor is Lacey Phillips, pretty leading people in the field, you know, tell me everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny that you made that distinction, because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Or made that connection. Yeah, I mean, I saw the movie The Secret when I was like 17. I did really bad the first time I took the ACT or whatever the like test you have to take here was. I didn't, I don't know, really bad is the word, but I didn't do like as well as I wanted to. What's the test? It's like the test you have to take here to get into college, the ACT. And so I had this, I went to like a tutor. Like my mom got me some tutor. She wasn't even, she was just this lady who lived in our neighborhood who like, I don't think even really knew what the test was like, (laughs) but she would just like go over the test books with me. And she would, and it was, you know, maybe like a month of my life, not even maybe like three weeks, but just one of those, you know, witchy women. She would make me a snack every time. I really enjoyed it. Her house smelled nice. She played nice music. Like I just (laughs) liked the experience. And the night before I was about to take the test again, she gave me this DVD of the movie, The Secret. And she was like, watch this, trust me, think positive, just do it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I watched the movie with my mom and I was like, sold. Like, okay, I've got this. Like, I'm going to just like think positively and do better (laughs) on this test. And I so want to be like, the secret's bullshit and like, it didn't work, but like, it kind of did. Like, I don't know if it was just that I like tried harder the next time I took it, but my score went up like a big amount of points, like way more points than I thought I was capable of. I don't even remember like what you can get on these now, but like I did really, really well. And I don't think like much changed. Like, I don't think it was that I studied a ton. Like you can't really study for those tests. Like I don't think I became suddenly smarter. I I think I just believed that I could do it. And I had this person, this woman believe that I could too. And that's why I did better. And so it was always kind of in the back of my mind, but I grew up Catholic. I went to a Catholic school and and spirituality for me was just kind of like, don't do anything bad or you're going to go to hell. You know, like it was just very scary. And 
this seemed lovely and nice and I didn't really know anything about it. And then I just kind of forgot about it all through college. I had a really horrible first two years of college. I just really, really, really didn't like. And then I studied abroad smack in the middle of it after my sophomore year. And I loved college when I got back. I had such a great experience abroad. And then I made friends. And when I came back, I I was feeling better. And then at the very end of college, I kind of freaked out again. And I was in treatment for an eating disorder. So I had therapists and coaches and a whole team of people around me, but I felt very much alone. And one of those coaches that I had, her name is Philippa. She lives in Sweden now, but at the time she lived in New York city and kind of had this life that I so wanted and, and not surprisingly kind of live now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She lived in New York city, had a cool boyfriend that I thought was like so cool and nice. And she, you know, was really into wellness and she was going to like one lucky duck all the time and like early Instagram blogging days. And she had a blog and she was my health coach. She was like my first health coach Mm -hmm. on the side of, you know, all these people. And I was asking her questions at the time that were so granular, like, how many chia seeds do you put in that smoothie? And are we having our warm water with lemon before or after we dry brush? And when are we working out? And how long? So, you know, like, I'm just like really like in it with, you know, orthorexia essentially at that time. And she was like, look, dude, you don't need any of this. You need to like meditate. You're really intense, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, there's this woman here. I go to her talk sometimes. She's really cool. I'm friends with her. Her name's Gabby Bernstein. Like, go to her website and, like, just chill there for a minute and don't worry about the superfoods for a second, okay? And I was like, <laughs> whatever. You're cool. I'll do whatever you say. I just want to be like you, you know? Because she was, like, in her – I think she was maybe, like, 30 and I was 21, you know, just graduating from – college. And I was like, I will do whatever you tell me. So I go to Gabby Bernstein's website and I am so overwhelmed. I am just like, ah, what is this even? And like, there's so much pink and I don't understand what is it all her future. Like she had so many things going on back then. Like it was, it was a lot, but she was not, I mean, this was 2012, 2011, 2012. So like, you know, she was still, you know, pretty famous in an internet sort of a way back then, but definitely not anything she is now. This is like pre-Oprah. I don't even think she had written a book. If she had, it was only one of them. And I just became really enamored with her as well. She was, you know, kind of my next, what Lacey calls expanders. So she was someone who expanded me to kind of see what was possible. And first it was Philippa, my coach, and then this person, Gabby Bernstein. And she, for the first time, she showed me that, you know, this sort of a career of being a motivational speaker, self-help coach, you know, like that's not even what I do now or what I have an interest in doing now specifically. But at the time it showed, it was like, oh, that's a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't know anyone in my, in my world that did that. And if I did, it was all people who were like much older than me or like white males. And she was someone who I so related to. Like mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm an only child, but she was like this big sister I always wished I had. And I always had that kind of relationship to older women who I could relate to where I would get very enamored with them because 
I think because growing up an only child, I had a lot of friends who had older siblings, especially older sisters, and they always seemed a lot cooler than me. Like they knew the trendiest thing. And I had two older cousins who I kind of idolized and made very special and wanted to do the things that they did. And they were like in high school when I was in elementary school. So they were very cool to me. And and Gabby's like around their age. And so I just related to her so much. And I, like I said, I was graduating from high school or from college at the time. And my career was in this very malleable place. And her work was helpful to me because it was helpful to me to find, you know, spirituality, something that was outside of myself that would make me feel better. And her work turned me on to Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction and manifestation and, you know, just having a connection with something greater than myself. And it helped with my eating disorder recovery. It helped with, you know, my relationship at the time was like, I was in process of breaking up with my college boyfriend. And it was just like a lot of things were bubbling up for me and her work is very useful. Hey guys, is this conversation with Katie making you wonder if you should start your own podcast? Or maybe if you already have your podcast, but you still feel like you don't really have the framework and the structure and the support to take it to the next level. Well, Katie has an online workshop, so you can be anywhere in the world, that will guide you exactly through that. Let a Podcast Out is a comprehensive workshop for anyone looking to host, produce, and launch a podcast of their own. It's an eight-module how-to podcast workshop, and it's designed to answer every question you have about podcasting, making it easy to get started with it, technology, monetizing, getting guests booked that are really awesome, which Katie's total expert at. The online workshop includes over 100 interviews with top podcasters like Jessica Mornane, Elizabeth and Stephanie of That's So Retrograde, Christy Harrison of Food Psych, and many more like Being Boss, for example. It also includes comprehensive audio lectures from Katie herself, including concepts and idea of voice development, the art of interviewing guest outreach, and so much more. There's resources including email templates, guest tracking, Excel spreadsheets, and at your own pace homework to keep you organized and on track to launch. So there is an early bird pricing until October 17th. You get $25 off the course. And then if you use my code, which is my name, K-S-E-N-I-A, you get an extra $50 off, which makes the whole course $322, which honestly is a really amazing deal because one of the bonuses you get is a private Facebook group for only the students of this course, two live coaching calls with Katie, a lecture with a vocal coach and an audio engineer, and a chance to have your episode featured on Let It Out podcast, which has like millions, if not gazillions of downloads. It's a big, big deal. So if this speaks to you, go to letapodcastout.club and use the code K-S-E-N-I-A, Xenia, at checkout to get your discount. And make sure you do it before October 17th of 2018 so that you can get your special early bird pricing. I really believe in Katie's work and everything she puts out there is top notch. And she's an incredible teacher. So if this speaks to you, then don't miss the opportunity. Go and sign up now. So it's one thing to find these sort of mentor expander figures and be enamored with them and take their work and put it in action in our lives. But it's a whole other thing to be a Katie and have them as your mentors. Yeah. So how does that happen? Yeah. So 
I'll keep talking about what happened with Gabby. So with Gabby, like I said, I was just like, I was a fan first. Like I was, you know, I wasn't reading her books because she didn't have any, but I was listening to her lectures. Like I think they were on like the podcasting app before the podcasting app was like a thing. Like I was listening to her lectures. I was doing, you know, I was like doing the work from afar from Michigan. And I was at one of, I did one of her like group coaching things and I tweeted during it, much like you said at the beginning. (laughs) And, you know, mind you, I'm like 21 years old. I'm like a baby child at this point. And this wonderful woman, her name is Elizabeth Lane. She's actually the founder of Quarter Lane, which is this wonderful book subscription platform that's so, so beautiful. But she saw my tweet and then it came from East Lansing, Michigan, which is a small town in Michigan where I was at the time, which is where I grew up. So she sees that and she's like, oh, that's so funny. I grew up there. So she lived in, I think she lived in New York at the time or Chicago maybe. And she emailed me, like we became, we like met on Twitter and she let me into her book club and they were reading books like You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And we read The Four Agreements together and we read Marianne Williamson books together. And we talked about Gabby's books and we became pen pals and we would write these really long emails to each other. And then I was, you know, kind of telling her my woes in life, which at the time were like, I don't know what kind of job I want, or I don't know what I want to do with my life. And I have this blog and blah, blah, blah. And she just like saw something in me. And she was like, let me connect you with my friend Gabby and her team. And I think that you should meet them and maybe you could help. You should be her intern. And I was like, are you serious? That would be amazing. And she did. And long story short, I like, next thing I knew, Gabby Bernstein was calling me on the phone and was like, hey, she was just so chill. And she was like, hi, Katie, how are you? And she's like, I liked your resume. And, you know, we just had like this. I was like so nervous to talk to her at first. But then that all went away because she was so sweet and nice. And I started doing her Tumblr and I was like helping with social media. And I was just an intern remotely for her. And I was just helping her. And so that's kind of like my advice to people is like when you want to talk to someone who you admire, I would say humbly reach out to them and ask how you can help them. You know, what can you do to help them? What do you have that you could help them with? And at the time, you know, I could help with her social media. I could, you know, I could do what I could. And that's what I did. And I ended up, you know, getting to meet her in person. And she did my podcast several times. And she wrote the foreword for my book, which came out with Hay House, her publisher. And so a lot of these, you know, very serendipitous, she hosted my book launch party, which you came to. And a lot of these very serendipitous things happened as a result of me, you know, helping her later, you know, she helped me and she's still someone who, you know, I admire. And I just think is, I will always be grateful for her showing me what's possible. Like I, in my small town, I wasn't expanded enough to see Mm that. And so she was really my first expander. And then as far as Lacey, it's funny because after all of that with Gabby, I was so in the self-development space, you know, Mastin Kit, Marie Forleo, Gabby, all of the like did heavy the hitters, did all the, did all, <laughs> yeah, all the books, all the courses, all the things, had them all on my podcast, like did all of the, you know, I was so in that space. And honestly got really burnt out by it. I was just like I was saying at the beginning, you know, I think people who are attracted to personal growth and self-development are people who are pretty, pretty great people. But we have this low self-worth beyond that, that, you know, is why we're into that. So I just, 
I just wanted to stop. I wanted to stop reading self-help books. I wanted to read fiction. I wanted to listen to comedy podcasts, which I did. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, focus on dating and focus on just like having fun and not being so dogmatic about being, you know, perfect or improving myself. I wanted to start being myself. And that's what I did. And I really just like turned away from self help content. You know, I was, I was still kind of into wellness, but I wasn't really dogmatic about it. And the topics of my podcast really changed as a result of that. And then last fall, a friend of mine, Katie Norris, my good friend here in New York was like, we were at dinner and we were like eating tacos. And she was like, I went to this thing at mama medicine space. And this Lacey Phillips lady is like, so interesting and cool. And like, we talked about our childhood and this and that. And she was like, very, she was like in, and I was, I was honestly listening. I was like, yawn, you know, <laughs> like I've been there. I've done that. I've done all of this. Like I'm good. No, thanks. <laughs> like, but I, but for some reason I was like, listening and she was she was really adamant about me checking it out you know not in a pushy way but she was just like I think you'll be into it check her out and I looked and I was already following her on Instagram and I realized that I was following her because I really liked her blog for its aesthetic years ago like I was wanting to buy these Jessie Cam pants and she had like posted about them <laughs> and so I was looking to free a native for like fashion advice and then Katie told me about, you know, the what was actually what, you know, she was actually talking about there. And, you know, a lot of the principles are similar to things I had heard about in Abraham Hicks work and in a lot of Hay House content. And, and you know, essentially what Gabby had been talking about and helping me with and even, you know, from The Secret years ago. But it was in this new form. It was articulated in this formula that Lacey has that is so clear and so modern and so light and the way she articulates things just really hit me for where I was then and where I am now. And I just started to read her content and got into her work. And again, she wasn't, you know, this isn't even that long ago, but she wasn't really where she is now, you know, in the last, I would say, I would say four months, six months, she has exploded. And I think that we will see her as, you know, kind of the queen of the space for a very long time. I only, I know she's a very, very smart woman and articulate woman and kind woman where there's no ego to what she's doing. And she's genuinely wanting to help people to not only to manifest, like that's, that's kind of what brings people in. But I think what she's actually doing is helping people to become more authentic and more comfortable as themselves. And, you know, as a result of that, you end up manifesting because when you feel better, you know, things happen in your life. And I was really attracted to that. So I, again, I reached out to have her on my podcast and I did. And we, you know, met in person in New York and it was, it was fantastic. And then we, you know, got lunch and were able to, you know, kind of build a relationship out of that. And, you know, I, I think that's, it's just about, connecting with people authentically and humbly and thanking them for their work. And when you're yourself and you can, you know, thank them and then meet them as you are and have a conversation and make a connection with a person, I think people, good people will, will see that, you know, and, and that has been the case with, with Lacey, with Gabby, and they're not my only mentors by any means. You know, I have so many mentors and people in my life that I look up to who are not as internet famous, but mm. 
you know, are people who I just hugely admire and without them, I wouldn't be as expanded in certain areas of my life for sure. You know, first of all, I love Lacey as well. I have gone to one of her events at Cap Beauty and just being in her energy, I was like, there is something about this woman that is so fresh and so stylish and so on point and so powerful. Yeah. Then I looked around myself and the women who are attracted to her work are just so incredible as well. And I can feel it through her Facebook community as well. And, you know, circling back to the conversation we were having about how to deal with comparison and, and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it's looking at someone like Lacey and realizing that, can you imagine if Lacey Phillips had this idea to create the work she's created, but then was stopped by the idea that, but wait, there's already Gabby Bernstein, but wait, there's already Esther Hicks and Abraham, but wait, Mm -hmm. there's Danielle Laporte. Why would I do this? It's already done. You know, like if we all thought that way in that limiting way, then Lacey's work wouldn't exist. And it's really about our unique expression, our, in the, as the indigenous people say, it's about our original medicine. That's what makes anything we put out there unique, whether it's a completely new idea or just the way we wrap it up and explain it to people. Yeah, 100%. That's such a good comparison that you made about comparison. (laughs) And it's so true. It's like the reason why we're attracted to, I say this about self-help in general or about personal growth or manifestation or, you know, wellness. It's, I used to say this all the time on my podcast, but I look at these concepts, these helpful things as like, I compare it to Mexican food, right? Like Mexican food at its core is corn, beans, cheese, rice. You know what I mean? Like those are the ingredients, but you can have it in lots of different forms. You can have Mm -hmm. it in tacos. You can have it in nachos. You can have it in burritos. You can have it in enchiladas. But essentially if you break all that down, it's cheese and corn and, you know, flour, like that's what it is. And some people like nachos more than they like tacos. And some people like burritos more than they like enchiladas, but they're getting the same nutrients. So I look at, you know, a Gabby Bernstein and a Danielle Laporte and a Lacey Phillips and a me at, not really a me, but like, you know, people kind of in that space talking about these sorts of things. They're saying, you know, a lot of similar things and similar concepts, but they're saying them in ways that are so authentically them. That's why they're also successful. And luckily we need all of them and we need all of these different voices because some people will like tacos while other people aren't into tacos, but nachos are, is their thing, you know? Mm. And so we need a lot of diversity in the space and we need people to say things in different ways. And, you know, I think that's important because we're, there's so many people in the world and we're all so unique. Yes. Katie, so I see social media as a manifestation tool. That's what it's been for me. It's been nothing more but just a tool to really get clear on what I want and then put it out there. And then, you know, if it's right and if it's on my path and if it's aligned, then it lands with people and I end up making money and creating an impact. So you as an internet person, what is your experience with that, with how social media, I don't even know if podcasting falls under the umbrella of social media. I think that's to be determined, but what has your relationship with it been? 
Well, podcasting does. I mean, it's definitely been a huge, you know, like I said, it's been a connector. It's been a man of, I've grown up on the internet, you know, like I today, I use that app time Hop. Do you ever use that? Like no. shows you, it shows you what you posted every year ago on today. And I saw a post that I did in 2014 today about how, when I was a kid, another parent called me accident prone and I like wrote this long thing about it. And I read it today, this thing I wrote in 2014, I was like, yeah, that's like about right. You know, and like, even though it was however many years ago, that was four years ago, I, it was something I would stand by today. And, you know, the photos dated and all of that. But I've really grown up on the internet and I cringe at things that I put out five years ago. And I cringe at podcasts from 2013. But it's so who I was then, you know? So I think it's allowed me to, the biggest thing that it's given me is it's been an outlet for me to be myself. You know, I think I almost you know, people are always like, oh my God, especially like I just saw that movie eighth grade, which is so good. And everyone should go see even. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, I can't imagine if I had the internet when I was in middle school or when I was younger, like it would have just been crazy. And, and that's true. Like, I don't, I don't know what that would have been like for comparison. And I already like felt bad about not getting invited to people's birthday parties. So I can't <laughs> imagine like what that would be like if I had a phone that told me about how great their birthday party was. But at the same time, I think it would have actually helped me in a lot of ways because it would have given me an outlet to find my people and it would have given me an outlet to, you know, find expanders who I related to more quickly. Like once I had that, I was able to find Gabby in New York City when I didn't live anywhere near or, you know, know it was even possible for me to, to be here. So that, in a sense, I think is really what it does for me. It gives me an outlet to share authentically without fear. And sometimes I can't even do that in my real life. And people, you know, will say to me like, wow, you're so brave for sharing that on your podcast or on social media. And I really say, you know, not really. Like, honestly, that's not really brave. What's brave is when I'm sharing it with someone I know, like my like a family member or a close friend, like that's vulnerable and that's intense. Sharing mm. it on the internet doesn't really feel as intense to me because that is like, I know the people who follow me, they chose to click that button and they chose to subscribe to my podcast. And especially on the podcast, like they chose to, my podcast, as you know, is very long. So they chose to spend over an hour with me. Like they're probably going to be pretty nice to me. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't get that many, I don't say this to, to like, you know, butter my own bread, but like, <laughs> I don't really get that many negative feedback comments on the podcast because I think people who are going to endure an hour with me or two hours with me, like they're probably in like, you know, if you don't mm -hmm. like it, like it's just not for you, you turn it off. But it's such an intimate platform that it really creates this community. So that's what it's given me above all. It has been this, you know, a place for me to be myself unabashed. And, and that feels really, really good. I love what you said about you not feeling like it takes bravery to share online or on the podcast, but in person is where the vulnerability and the courage is at. I totally resonate with that. And one of the thing I found a couple of years into blogging and doing it full time was how attached I had become to the persona that I am online. And I don't know if it's because 
what I do online is so always a reflection of what I am in, in person. And it's like a baby and what's so close to my heart. But I personally, my practice is taking some time away from social media, from everything to kind of realign and reestablish who I am because otherwise I find myself not able to expand to where I'm supposed to go on my path if I'm attached to the version of me that I've been sharing online. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes so much sense. And I agree. I feel I feel a lot better when I do that too, when I disengage, when I turn it off. My my boyfriend is really good for this. He doesn't use social media. Like he doesn't watch my stories. He doesn't use it at all, really. And that is really helpful for me because it reminds me of like what matters and what like actual connection is. Like if I want to connect with him or tell him about my day, like I actually have to do the work to do that. And I actually have to be creative in a way to, we don't live in the same place I should mention. So I, yeah, it's like, I think there's a big assumption too with like friends and people in the world. Like I almost don't need to tell them something because I assume they saw how my weekend was on my Instagram. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe they clicked through that story while they were on the subway and didn't hear the sound and don't, you know, like maybe they just don't remember. Like, and sometimes I just don't ask about things because I'm like, I saw that it looked like you had fun, you know, or like, I I don't know. It's a weird balance of like, we still have to talk to each other and we still have to check in on each other. And, you know, liking someone's story or post isn't the same as like checking on them, you know, and calling them or, even texting them, you know, and I think that's something that we need to get better at as a, I'll speak for myself as a person, you know, I think it's so easy to know what's going on with everyone, but not actually check in. And that can be hard. And you know, another interesting thing that I've noticed myself doing, and thankfully, I've now let go of that. And but also, you know, as people who make money on the internet posting content, there's a lot of, let's say a brand reaches out to you. They immediately want to know how many downloads you have, how many followers on Instagram you have. And just by looking at one category of those numbers, they might make a judgment of how important your work is, how successful you are, how you reach people and all of that. And I've realized that all these numbers, yeah, it's like a cool thing, but a lot of the times they don't represent the breadth of your work at all. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do with my social media consulting, where I empower people to find their voice and share themselves and get their message out there and don't, and not be intimidated by social media. But in that world, what I also find interesting is that someone might look at someone's Instagram and they have a thousand followers, but then they get a million downloads on every episode. And there's still such a discrepancy I find between podcast and, and Instagram. I'm curious what your experience with that has been. Yeah. I mean, I have episodes that have gotten, you know, tons of downloads, like way more than 40,000 downloads, but my social media doesn't reflect that. And, you know, I think it's not a meritocracy. You know, there are so many people I've interviewed who don't even have social media or don't really have a social media presence, or it's just not, important for them or like, like they don't have a you, you know, like they did. Maybe it is important. They understand it would help them, but they don't do it, but it doesn't mean they're not like super qualified. I had this great conversation with a Instagram influencer 
and yoga teacher and just wonderful person. Her name is Claire Fountain, CB quality on Instagram. And she, and I spoke about this at length of like categorizing people by numbers and downloads and these metrics that really don't encompass how kind they are or how patient Mm -hmm. they are, or even like the, there's people on the internet who might have hundreds and thousands of Instagram followers, but, and who are giving advice and who are giving nutritional information or psychological information who aren't therapists and who aren't nutritionists and who aren't really all that qualified, but because of that number next to their name on an app are suddenly legitimized in a way that maybe they're not quali- you're, they're not qualified to, to do or to give this advice. And there might be a disclaimer and whatever, but there are people, especially young people, especially of a different generation who might look at them and be like, oh, that's, that's who I want to follow. Instead of, you know, someone who has, who's older, who might be wiser and has years of experience and degrees who doesn't have the the reach, you know, and who doesn't, and they look at them as like, not as good, you know, Mm -hmm. which is like, hilarious, but the world that we live in. And so I just try to, you know, I think about that a lot. And like my boyfriend, Nick, like he's a photographer. And he's like, really, I mean, I can, I can brag about him. Like, he's like, really successful. Like he's shot for some of the biggest publications like he shot for the New York Times and the Washington Post and he's done all these really great things he doesn't have like any followers on Instagram like he wouldn't care that I said that I mean I think I don't know what he has like a thousand or something and he doesn't care and like he doesn't want that and I, every once in a while I'll be like hey you should do a story you're like you should do this or you should do that and he's like yeah I don't know like he just doesn't and he's like why I don't need it like the photo editors find me it's fine I was like but you're a photographer and, the thing, and he's like yeah but I'm good like and I just have to remember that not everyone is like me and not every, I like social media. Like I really enjoy it. I mm-hmm. like spending my time on it. There are times when I don't feel like my time on it was super productive or I wish I hadn't spent as much time, of course. But for the most part, I think my relationship to it is pretty decently okay, you know? And I'm able to, what I do with stories is I, I take a story and I save it. And then when I have time, I'll put it up, which has been a huge help. And like, I enjoy it, but I have to remember that not everyone does and it doesn't make you better or worse, depending on what that number is. Totally. Oh my gosh, you put it so well. I think we're living in a culture where things change so quickly with social media and the standards change. And it's a given that it's important to have a personal brand. And with that, an Instagram following and a solid LinkedIn profile and, you know, all the new platforms that are popping up now, it's cool to have a podcast, but you know, we don't know where that's going to go. <laughs> we don't know anything. Totally. And um, yeah, some people are good with it and enjoy it, like me and you, and some people don't. And I'm curious to see where it all is going to go. But from a business perspective, I'm curious what you think, why there is such a discrepancy between the number podcast listeners and number of people who are following on Instagram. Because I see that too in, in what I do. Like the people who are listening to my podcast are different from my followers and my different social media accounts. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I knew. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe podcasting is like, I have to think, like I listen to podcasts that I don't follow on Instagram. Mm. You know, I think I just like, 
it's not my first thought to be like, oh, I better go follow this person. You know, it might happen later. I might be like, oh, yeah, I love their podcast. Here's their Instagram. Cool. Mm. But I think, you know, a lot of people who listen to my podcast don't go to my show notes. And they're just like, I'll Google that later. Like, I think because it's such a on-the-go platform, I think it would be really – that's why I think people subscribe to YouTubers Mm. easily because it's like – it's right there. I'm here. I know I like these. I'm just subscribed. Easy. But with podcasting, it's like I'm out. I'm on the train. I'm it's in my headphones. It's cold. It's winter. I'm not going to get out my phone and type their name in. And <laughs> is it even their name? Who knows? Unclear. How do I spell it? Like, it's a lot of work, you know, to, to do that. And so I think people are just like, yeah, as their podcast, it's fine. Like if I and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if I like promoted it more and I like told people to follow along more, they would or, or, you know, there honestly, there are people that for me, I really like their podcast, but their Instagram feed is like not my drive mm-hmm. and that's fine. And maybe people feel that way about mine. I don't know. Guys, you probably listen to this and it's still warm outside. So go check Katie Dalbout <laughs> on Instagram. Share a screenshot of you listening to the podcast. Tag me, Woke and Wired as well. And tell us what you're getting away from this. I would love to hear from you. Yes. We love we would, seeing it. We love when we you would love the podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, I do do this thing with the emoji after, though, which mm-hmm. I, you know about, where, like, I have people comment that emoji on my Instagram, which, you know, some people do. So that so makes me Tell us more about that. Well, at the end of every episode, I, at the very, very end, I pick an emoji for the episode and it's like a secret. And then we put that emoji at the, you know, we don't write it anywhere, but then people will comment that on my Instagram and I'll be like, Oh, they listened all the way to the end of that episode. And I'll remember what it was. And yeah, it's just kind of like a nice inside joke we have with each other. How do you describe an emoji? Oh, it'll be like the star, but it's just like really clunky. It's kind of funny. Like the star, but not the one that's just the star, the one that's kind of like a twinkle with three little things or like, and people know emojis so well. They're like, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. That's I hilarious. That. I love the new spaceship one. Oh, I haven't seen it it's yet. my favorite. Did they update recently? I've been seeing it lately from my friend Allison Charles, Rockstar Shaman, episode with mm-hmm. whom is coming out too. I don't know if it's new or if it's just because in my field of awareness or because I'm about to be abducted by aliens. One of those. Well, I've been putting emojis in my contacts with people when I add them to my phone. And when I put you, I'm looking at this right now. When I put you in my phone, I I have you saved as Cassinia breakfast criminal. And then I have a Statue of Liberty emoji, a knife emoji, (laughs) the blood emoji, like the shot thing, a strawberry, and then a pineapple. And I can, like, tell you why I put each of those things because, like, I know you love New York, the criminals vibe with the blood and the knife, and then, like, fruit. So that's why I did that. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. It makes me really happy when you text me. <laughs> it makes me happy, too. Okay, so are you ready for some fun questions about growing up with yes. social media, with and without? Yes. Okay. So you mentioned the movie Eighth Grade. It's on my list to watch that for sure. And going back into that vibe of, first of all, I can't imagine with all the pressures I experienced as a teenager of having Instagram back then. Thank goodness it was not around. And I'm curious if you remember, what was the first social media platform you got into? I got Facebook when I was a sophomore in high school. That's not true. I actually had a MySpace before that. But then my mom made me take it down because she was really 
nervous, not about pedophiles or like, <laughs> but really she was like terrified of someone stealing my identity. Like that's what she was like most nervous about, which is so funny. And then same with Facebook. Like she was like really like apprehensive of me having, she didn't understand what it was. And she was like, don't put information on the internet. People are going to steal your identity. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had Facebook and I loved it. And I remember thinking like, this is what it's like to be a celebrity because we would like hang out on the weekends and I never had a digital camera, but all of my friends did. And then like Monday after school, I'd come home and I'd get in the computer and see all the photos I was tagged in from the weekend. Oh my gosh. And I would like relive the weekend and like look at everybody's albums and comment on everybody's photos. And like, it was like, wow, this is like the paparazzi of the weekend. Cause like I never had a camera. I was just like peripherally in all these photos. And yeah, that was, I loved, loved Facebook in high school. Like it kind of dates me now. Cause I feel like now kids are like Facebook's for parents. But when I was <laughs> a child, like it was so fun and I, I loved it in high school. Did you ever change your relationship status on Facebook? I did. I did with my high school boyfriend. And well, we did a lot of like fake relationships. Like I was married to my best friend for like most of high school. Like we had a lot of like, I don't know if, if people listening remember that, but like a lot of fake relationships. And then I think still to this day, it says like my best friend from college is like my grandmother. And I have like somebody else's like three grandchildren of like people who are were my friends in high school and college because we were just like mess around with those relationships. But I did a real one with my high school boyfriend. And then I remember breaking up with him. And the first thing I like, I remember <laughs> having it ready, like up on my computer to like run and change it and like be back to like being married to Ellen, my best friend, like, and not like having it be with him because I was just like, so ready to be done. But Yes, I did. <laughs> Isn't it so hilarious how back then Facebook was our world? Now yeah. it's like Instagram and podcasting, but okay. we don't know where it's going. I know. There's probably another, like, we didn't even know Instagram was coming. Who knows what's coming now? And like Periscope, remember that? Oh my like, gosh, for a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just spoke at Girl Up, the United Nations Summit for Teenage Girls Who Are Changing the World Today and Tomorrow and I was hanging out with these teenage girls, really amazing, amazing women from all over the world. And they told me that they don't ever go on Instagram because it's too polished and perfect. And they spend all their time on Snapchat. And I was yeah. like, what? I thought because of Instagram stories, Snapchat is no longer a thing. But apparently for like the next generation, it's the shit. Yeah, I know. I got to get back on Snapchat. I loved it for so long with before Instagram stories. And when Instagram stories came out, I was like, ah, I'll just do this. <laughs> it was like, just I'll have one thing now. I used to do both. I would do it on Snapchat and then reshare it in stories. And then I was just like, why am I spending so much time doing this? And I just switched to stories. Yeah, same. But so, I guess we got to go back if we want to connect with the youth. <laughs> I know, right? Future. <laughs> what was your favorite computer game growing up? kid picks or like yeah do you remember that no kid picks what was it about it was like I don't think it was really even a game I think it was I don't even really remember and I'm probably calling it the wrong thing if someone if someone listening to this remembers kid picks please tell me I think that's what it was called it was like a I don't know you could like draw stuff and you could like watch tv and like you could only play it in like computer class but it was so fun yeah <laughs> And I had like some other like Barbie game where like you could pop balloons, but 
I wasn't ever really into games. Sounds like you were excited about that thing you were yeah, talking about. Yeah, I was excited about kid <laughs> picks. It was more about, like, drawing and, like, TV watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I don't know. We'll have to do a Google on that You probably later. haven't thought about this in, like, 10 years at least. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> what was your first screen name? Do you remember? Yes. It was, my dad made it for me on AOL, and it was KDRD123, which, like, makes no sense. My middle name is Rose, so yeah, that was it. And then like my main one was KTDD. Yeah, that was it. And I don't even know why that was that. Dad, but, please explain if you're listening to yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. What is the best thing that has happened to you on social media? So many things. I mean, I'll just have moments of like, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, there's always kind of. I would do this when I was teaching yoga and I would have like a friend in my class or someone I liked in my class or, you know, a mentor, like a teacher of mine in class where I would teach a posture and I would be kind of like, or I would say something kind of inspiring or like I would do something that I was kind of proud of. And I'd like instantly look to them and be like, oh, what they think of that? What they think of that, you know? <laughs> um, and I feel like I kind of always have that with social media where like I'll put something out there and I'm kind of like, there's that one or two people I'm kind of thinking of, you know? <laughs> where I'm kind of like great Gatsbying, where I'm like, oh, I want this person to see me. So I've had moments where it's like someone I like has, especially when I was younger, like likes my photo or like comments on my photo and, or a mentor of mine or something like that. And that's just like, ah, like gives me the warm and fuzzies and like makes me feel so good. Usually like with someone I had a crush on. So those are like kind of my best memories, but also like something I'm really proud of that I worked hard on getting shared and getting you know, like a, a podcast episode I really liked or my book, seeing people read my book and having experiences with my book. That That is, I love that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I so get that. And what do you miss the most about growing up without social media? Being bored. I think boredom is really <laughs> important. And there's a great article about this, but I we used to be able to like just zone out on the internet and like, kind of just relax on the internet. And now I feel like you can always be getting something done on your phone. You know, I'm like, I could go pay that bill or I could comment back to a couple DMs right now while I'm waiting in line or I could, you know, I could post something or I could answer a couple emails or I could like, you know, check in on WhatsApp or I could do some tech. Like there's always like some work that Mm -hmm. could kind of be done where you can't really waste time on the internet. Like I remember, you know, I had a job in college where I could just like be on my computer for hours and I would just like read blogs and go on stumble upon, you know, and it wasn't like I was trying to get anything done. I was just like hanging. I was like surfing the web, which was fun. Mm. I remember when I was in college and I didn't have yet a smartphone that had internet in it in Russia. I was in this long distance relationship with this guy in Texas and we would email each other these long love letters a couple of times a week. And I remember I was so desperate to read his emails that sometimes I would use like an office computer at college and log in and just see, is it there? Is it there? I need to peek at it before I go home. And it was like this big deal getting emails and checking emails. It was this special occasion. And now it's like, constantly all the yeah. time <laughs> I know like give I know. me a break I know it's so funny emails yeah. so Katie who should look into doing your course on podcasting 
anybody who either has an idea that they think a podcast would be good for, so really anything, anyone who wants to connect with other people, it's a great thing tool to connect with people. It's worked for me. <laughs> and anyone who has like a message of something that they want to share, or if you already have a podcast and you want to know more about how to get more people to listen to it, how to grow it, how authentically and, you know, without being skeezy and how to, you know, improve it, improve your interviewing or improve the technology that you're using or get sponsors for the podcast. Those are all the people. Mm. Yes. Yes. And is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to share? I think that's everything. I just want to say thank you for having me and that I love you and let's like hang out soon. <laughs> yes, I want you to come over to my plant and crystal abode and feel all the vibes and have some ceremonial cacao with me. Great. I would love that because I'm about to be a lot more free in the next couple of weeks, as you know. So let's have a celebration of, you know, I quit my full-time job. You did the same a little bit ago. So we should do a cheers of a, we should do an old school, like breakfast criminalized. We should. I, still, I never got to do that. We were going to do it. Oh my gosh. So we should, Done. we should have a smoothie together. <laughs> so one more thing before we sign off. Okay. What is your vision for what you're going to do with your time. I know you mentioned, you know, going with the flow and meandering and having the space, but if you were to really connect with your gut wisdom and divine guidance, whatever you call it, what are you creating space for? What are you calling in so that by the time we get together in person, we can celebrate <laughs> you having manifested that? I don't know if it'll be done by then. I hope we hang out before. <laughs> However, I'm making something super, super big and cool, and it's going to be called Let It Out. It's a new... Well, I'll just tell you. I'm making a magazine. I'm going to make a magazine what? called Let It Out. Yeah. So I cannot wait. It's in the works, and I've been working on it for a couple months, but it's still many months out. And yeah, I'm really excited. So that's that's, that's what I've like been working on of behind the scenes and I haven't really announced yet. So you heard it here first exclusive. Yeah. Amazing. And what's the best way for everyone to connect with you? God, the like freaking Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love it. Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebow or Twitter or, you know, I'm really on Instagram all the time. So that would be the place. And the let a podcast out has its own Instagram, which is thriving with like 200 people so feel free to <laughs> join <laughs> amazing katie thank you so much amazing conversation and i look forward to hanging out in person cannot wait i love you thank you for having me if you enjoyed the show please share it with your friends leave a review and find all the show notes on woke and wired.com and connect with me on instagram at woke and wired Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.